0: We love partnering with people who share the gospel, and the Gideon International, the Gideons just as a whole are the ones who've done this for lots of years, and so today's Gideon Sunday, but then also Brother Howie and Debbie are with us, uh, speaking of missionaries, and so again, we have to catch people when we can catch them, and so they're here with us, and Howie's going to do some preaching, and Debbie will join him in the singing, and it's going to be a blessed morning. So, Brother Don, why don't you come this morning and just share a few minutes with us about the Gideons? Most people know about the Gideons, but it's always encouraging to hear what's going on. Okay. Thank you for being with us. Okay, real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt, but Children's Church is dismissed. You
1: send yours to Children's Church. Okay. On? You might ask, I'll step on No, please I'll laugh. You say something.
2: almost feel like I'm coming home. 40 years
1: ago, when I moved into the community, uh, this was the first church that we attended for a few years. And so it feels feels good to be back home again. You know, uh, Romans 10, 17 says to us, faith is through hearing. And hearing is through the word of God. And as you all have talked about, you've heard about the Gideons. The Gideon's is about spreading that word of God. That's what we're all about. And our mission, the Gideon's mission, is to reach everyone in this world that we possibly can reach to bring them to the saving grace of God through their word. And so that's the reason we hand out these Bibles. We hand out these Bibles throughout the world. Our uh, our, uh, hope is that we can spread this word throughout this whole world, and to put it in the hands. But you know, right here in town, let me tell you what's going on there. You know, the Gideons have been putting Bibles in hotel rooms for over a hundred years. It's a group of men that gathered together, and they decided that the world needed to hear, see God's words, and that's what's been done. So we have 4,000 rooms that we service here, and as every hotel comes. We move into each of those rooms, and we service each of those hotels every year to make sure that the Bibles are in good condition. And uh, so that's, beyond that, we do a a great deal more. One of the greatest things that you all be, uh, I I think you should be excited about, is that we we service the the colleges here in town. University of Virginia, the Piedmont College, we, about every two years, we go to the University of Virginia and are able to have, hand out Bibles in and around their campus. And every year we go to Piedmont. And I want to share a little bit about the last time we went to the University of Virginia. Last time we went, we handed out almost 2,000 Bibles. So over 2,000 of these students got to have the Word of God. And we do this every two years. We're going to be doing it again this year. Do you, just to give you an indication of, of what the God's Word is about and, and how these youth reach out, after 9-11, we handed out almost 7,000 Bibles on the University of Virginia. So they're reaching out. They're searching. They all want to know what this world is about and what their life is about. So we don't want to write them off just because we think that they're not searching. They are mm-hmm. at Piedmont. We hand out from six to eight hundred Bibles every year, and we also uh, we we don't stop there. We hand out Bibles in the in the uh, to the fire departments, to the police, to the prisons, the police departments, the hospitals, and and beyond. We hand out Bibles uh, at Scottsville, at the Fourth of July parade. We hand out fifteen hundred Bibles. At uh, downtown on the mall at Christmas time, we hand out about 400 Bibles. And of course, we want to hand out more. Uh, and that's our mission, is to hand out as many as we can. The only limiting factor we have are our resources. Our resources, whether it's people or whether it's funding. Mm-hmm. Because we're looking to reach around the world. And I'm going to tell you a phenomenal number here in a minute. And that is, we. Last year we handed out almost 90 million Bibles in the in the world. Wow. But more than that, from the beginning, since we've been handing out bible the Gideons have been handing out Bibles. We have handed out over two billion, and that's a B. And you'll be familiar with that from the government language; they like to talk about <laughs> the B So we've handed out two billion Bibles, and we and The last 10 years was the second billion. So we're expecting to hopefully even improve that in the years ahead. And it's with your help that we can accomplish those kind of things. But also we give military people, military people such as myself. I was a military person when I got shipped off to Vietnam during the Vietnam War period. One of these Bibles was placed in my hand. This was my hope and my inspiration for each and every day I would wake up and that I could wake up and that I'd have the word of God in my hand. If I didn't wake up, I knew where I was going. <laughs> and so uh, so we're thankful for you to help us. But Let me tell you about another story that's more local happened more recent to me. The Lord led me about three months ago to a, a gentleman who has a heart problem, a serious heart problem. It wasn't just physically. He had a major physical heart problem, but he also had a spiritual heart problem. And I had a piece of equipment that needed to be worked on. And I just looked up in the internet and found somebody in the area that might be able to do it. I called him, and he said, yes, come up here, and I'll take a look at it. When I got to his shop, I walked in, and uh, I started talking with him briefly. And he said, you know, I may not be able to get to this for a couple of weeks because I've got to go in the hospital this afternoon, and they got to look at my situation to see what they can do for me. He was only 45 years old, and he had a heart problem that was extremely serious. And so he went into the hospital. Uh, Well, let me tell you a little bit more before I tell you that is that as we were talking, And I went and got the piece of equipment, got it off of my trailer, but I went and picked up one of my Bibles out of my car, and I brought it back to him, and I laid the Bible in his hands. I said, you know, in this is the Word of God who handles heart problems, both physically and spiritually. And you know, if you become, if you are a believer, God's going to help you through this situation, no matter which direction it goes. And and so I left it at that. And as I left, I started thinking, it just laid heavy on me. And I just so I just I called him up and I said, Listen, I just want to tell you, your your situation lays heavy on me. I'm going to share this with a lot of people. And we're going to be praying for you every day. And he said, Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So anyway, a couple weeks, a couple months later, after they went through all of the tests and situations. He went in, he had surgery, and turns out he had to have three surgeons and three other doctors. And the three surgeons, he had a liver problem, he had a, a kidney problem, and he had a heart problem, and a very serious heart problem. He wasn't even sure he was going to make it through. it. And I asked him when I went to visit him in the hospital, what was his home, which? He says, I just want to be able to get out of here alive. And I said, well, you can, no matter what situation happens with the Word of God. Well, I've kept up with him, and and just last week, he's healing. And he tells me he's healing not only physically, but he's healing spiritually. But one of the things that I didn't tell you about along the way, he said, you know, I created all of these problems in my own life. I was a cocaine user for years. I was an alcoholic abuser. I smoked all the time. I've been in prison. He says, and I said, well, you know, the Lord is the Lord of second chances. He said, well, I have needed a lot more than second chances. And I said, you know the good thing? The good God will give you as many chances as you need. Amen. So you just keep hanging on. And so... Uh, a number of people have witnessed to him and so we stayed connected and he's getting closer and closer to being healed both spiritually and physically. So we, we're very thankful for that. Well you know there's millions of other people in this world still in the need of the word and of salvation and healing of all natures, And that's where we come. We can help if we can just look at the situation, and see what we could do. You know, a Bible that's placed in a hotel has the potential of over 2,300 viewings during the, uh, the average life is five years. Really, we hope that when we go and look at the hotel rooms, that the Bible is missing. We're hoping <coughs> that people take it, because that's, that's our desire, is to spread that word throughout. And so, what do we need? We need we need your prayers. We need your prayers for open hands and open hearts. Uh, that when we go back on the university campus this year, when we go on, when we go in the other locations, that people are ready and willing to, to help. When we go downtown on the mall, that they are re- reaching out, we want to be able to touch a ball. And a couple of the ways you already know, and I'm very thankful to see you all have our Gideon card program. You know, this is the one you can you could purchase Bibles in memory of, or just say thanking of, or to the pastor, or but you can purchase Bibles, and the when you purchase those Bibles, uh, basically the, the money is sent into the corporate inter, uh, Gideon International. And they purchase the Bibles. And here's the one thing that you should know. Every single penny that you send, that you give to the Gideon organization goes 100% to purchasing Bibles. All of the administrative expenses of the whole Gideon organization, whether it's international, national, or local, <coughs> is paid for by the Gideon members. So we do not take any monies that anyone has donated for anything other than the purchase of of Bibles. So uh, a couple of ways that that way. One other way is called Friends of Gideons. The Friends of Gideons is a a program that you as an individual can purchase these little Bibles for about $1.30 apiece. You can purchase these It won't have the Gideon symbol because only the Gideons are allowed to hand out the ones with the Gideon symbol. But that's another way you can support. But I tell you, a, an additional way for the youth in the country, because we can't, we don't get into schools the way we used to have. I don't know whether any of you are old enough for, or not, but they used to be in the fifth, fifth grade or so. They would give us a Gideon Bible. But now we don't have that opportunity as much anymore. But well, we have another program that's called the Life Book, and your ministry. Your ministers can order these life books. And they're free, totally free. The Gideon group will send these things totally free. And the mission here is these are annotated inside by teenagers who have signed these things. And so these are addressed directly for the youth of the country. And they can take them and hand them out in schools to other other peers. So that's another way that you can, you can participate. But i just kind of end it. I just want to let you know the Gideons are just an extension of your church. Our whole mission is to reach out, to deliver the word to people for the saving grace of Jesus Christ and bring them all so that we're all being saved by Jesus Christ. So I want to thank you, and if you have any questions, I'll be happy to be here later. I want to thank uh, Pastor Goldsmith and all of you in this congregation for allowing us to come and share the word about the Gideon mission. Thank you.
0: great outreach, right? In fact, the little book that he mentioned there just a moment ago, the Life Book, we were already in the process of ordering the new ones. last ones were the Gospel of John. The new ones are the book of Matthew. And so that's going to go in our outreach bag for Halloween coming up. Okay? So uh, really, really excited about that. So we're hoping to just really inundate the neighborhood on the Halloween night. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. Inundate the neighborhood. You know how we do that? <laughs> all of us show up and we go out. Alright, we'll talk about that more later. the Howie, Miss Debbie, you all come and share what the Lord's put on your heart. It's been a while since you've been with us. It has. You're looking younger every day. You're too Yeah, you,
3: <laughs> it's, you, <How> you? <laughs> it's good to be back. Good to be back in Charlottesville. As we moved to Ohio, and it's good to be back in Virginia. I grew up in the uh, upstate New York. You know, the land that just made it possible to advance murder legally, right up to the point of birth. Our illustrious governor seated right next to him was a former first lady. You mentioned the fact that our world is in deep trouble. Well, it's always been in deep trouble. You know? But on the good side. On Many good of you side. know my my our
4: son, Seamus. You know, he's been involved, I know you ministered to Seamus quite a bit. He just had baby number two. He's five days old, little Joseph Moss. So when we leave here we're gonna go home and meet our eighth grandchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're doing really well, they're really serving the Lord.
3: Well, I'm really excited to be here, and this is actually a debut. All right, see lots of familiar faces out there. In fact, I was greeted at the door this morning by a young lady who excitedly told me, should I share it? Do you mind? I'm standing at the door waiting to use the bathroom, right? And these kids come in, and this little boy looks in the door, you know? I said, hey, come on in. And the little girl walks up to me, and she said, I just pooped in the toilet. You know, the older we get, you know, we've seen it all. We've done it. You know, we've seen a lot, and you know, maybe life doesn't, it doesn't seem exciting anymore. You know, but you know, to a kid, everything is exciting, right? And, yeah, I love that. And uh, I won't tell you what I share, The rest of the things, but anyway, uh, I've been a professional musician for 40 years now, and I. Uh, Almost 20 of that was in church. I, uh, when I met Jesus, I got totally out of the music business and I just worshipped in church. I just wanted to serve Him, and I had a guitar that was basically um, a guitar that I was going to offer as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord told me to keep it. You know, that may sound funny, but I mean, I got rid of all my musical stuff when I met That's Jesus. Like-
4: when he says he got rid of everything, what we actually did was we had two toddlers. James was a year and a half, Sarah was two, and we sold everything and kept four horses. And we were going to ride around on horseback with a saddlebag full of Bibles. And uh, we were literally packing up to go when God allowed Howie to uh, well get get a broken arm. But then we were still stubborn. We were still going to go. But then the horse broke the saddle, so we had to we ended up. <laughs> Not going. But that was the beginning of our ministry. So we really appreciate the Gideon's ministry with the Bibles because that mm-hmm. the word of God has the power to say. Yes,
3: yes it does. Yeah. In fact, uh, before I share my little story about my guitar, I wanted to do this one in honor of the Gideons. How many of you guys know the Beatles? The Beatles. <laughs> you guys have, yeah. How many of you guys know that the Beatles knew about Gideon Bibles? <laughs> Somewhere in the Black Mountain hills of Dakota There lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon and one day his woman ran off with another guy hit young Rocky in the eye Rocky didn't like that He said, I'm going to get that boy So one day he checked into town Booked himself a room at the local saloon And Rocky Raccoon checked in I'm a big believer in the Gideon's ministry. I love the Gideon's ministry and, uh, because it's all about the word of God. And I was saved reading a Bible out on a dirt road with no Christians around. And uh, and I was a full-time musician back then. And like I said, I got rid of all my musical stuff. I was going to offer up my guitar as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord told me to keep it. I've worshipped the Lord on that Luprinzi guitar for the past 35 years until my aunt passed away recently and she left me a little money and I had a few things that I could do with that money, one of which um, I was able to bless my wife with braces, praise God, yeah Yeah, her teeth were getting pretty bad and I was kind of bummed because we don't have a lot of money, you know And I was able to actually buy braces for my wife and the other thing I did was I've been a musician for 40 years Never had a custom-made instrument and so a friend of mine does inlay work for his stelling banjos. And he makes their mandolins. And so I said, Dave, he also makes beautiful guitars. And so I said, Dave, would you make me a guitar? He said, yes. He's a a believer as well. And so I said, I'd like you to reproduce my Lindsay guitar. And he did. He he, he did a few upgrades and things. But he does beautiful inlay work. And I could have had crosses. I could have had doves flying up the neck. I could have had all kinds of beautiful inlay. I really just wanted one thing. Whenever I sign my name, I always put a little flourish on the bottom, and under that I put Psalm 34.3. I don't know if you can see it or not, but right there it says Psalm 34.3. This guitar is, is a real blessing from the Lord. And I want to share it with you. I want to share some songs from our holy devoted CD that the Lord inspired through the years. And the first song that I wrote in Ohio is the first song I want to do right now. And as I'm singing and playing, I'm going to do some instrumental stuff. And I'd like to just ask if you would do this. The greatest thing we can do in life is worship the Lord. And the way we do that is spend time in His presence, seeking His face, just focusing on Him. Because really, He's, He's everything. He created everything, everything we are. He created us. As an object of his love, he actually created us for fellowship, for hang time. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to spend time with him. You know, just take a step aside from our busy day and just be in his presence. That's that's why he created us. How do I know that? Because the very first two people he made, they would just hang out with Jesus in the garden. Right? In the cool of the day, they would just spend time with God. And so this this first song I wrote is the first song that it, I wrote in this moldy little trailer we live in 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 uh, Ohio. And it goes. And so as I'm doing the instrumentals, I'd like to just ask if you would just treat this as a worship time. There's going to be some scripture. There's going to be some testimony. There's going to be some music. There's going to be times when I'm just playing the instrument. I mean. I'd like to ask if you would just use that as an opportunity for you to take a moment right now and just worship, spend time with Jesus. to me, Lord. Everything. And not only that, you are everything. welling places where I want to be. Yeah. Always. Even in the midst of the storm. Even when the world is falling down around us. Right? Even when people we know and love and sometimes even respect and revere and hold up as examples cave in. May it never be said of us that we caved in. And if we ever do, we know that we can go to God and ask forgiveness and know that we have forgiveness, right? Amen. Right? What would cause a youth minister or anybody to take his own life? Did you hear about Jared Wilson this past week? Youth minister in California, 30 years old, wife and two young children. Started a ministry for those that were depressed, ended up taking his life this. I mean, the deception is pretty great sometimes. You know that van out there that you guys helped us? With? Well, this year, I've had three major hits to that van. And in years past, I would have been freaking out and saying, Oh, you know, God, you gave me that van. Why? Why is this happening? But you know what? It's God's van. And somebody said yesterday, Yeah, you know, when... When things heat up and the, and the devil is after you and he's, he's kicking you real good, know that you're on the right path. Or you're on the wrong path. I, I'm adding this. Or you're on the wrong path and God is allowing it. Because nothing happens unless God allows it. right? But it's only stuff. It's only stuff. What really matters in life is the souls of the people that God has around us. And that's why the Gideon's ministry is so amazing, so important. Putting the word of God in people's hands. I've seen those Gideon Bibles in hotel rooms. You know, I actually, I've been on school campuses where the Gideons were out handing out Bibles. In fact, today, I think they almost have to be off campus. I know up in New York State, they can't actually go on the campus anymore, I don't think. They have to stay off campus, across the street. But the word of God. It's so important. I was saved reading the word of God. A beautiful young lady I met one one time gave me a Bible. First Bible that I ever had in my life when I was 26 years old. And it was that Bible four years later that I started to read. And God spoke to me out of that Bible and showed me exactly what I needed to do. I needed to turn turn my life over to him. He saved my soul. He saved my life. Just like you can that man with a heart problem. Because every one of us is born with a heart problem. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Ain't that true? Amen. Some of you kids, I mean, you're growing up in Christian homes. You might think that you're all all right, you know. You might think that you're all right. But I happen to know from firsthand experience that you grow up in a serious Christian's home. You can even grow up in a minister's home still turn away from the Lord. You can actually make a commitment to Jesus and be baptized as a young child and still walk away. You can do that. I know somebody personally who's done that. A couple people. It's really sad. It was like my heart was being ripped out of my chest when I saw these two go down the wrong path. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and guess what? God heard and answered those prayers and now one of those two is fervent for the Lord. He's serious about the Lord. I hung on that verse. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he will not depart from it. And so I I forgot the old part. When he's old he won't <laughs> depart from it. Because when they're still young, maybe they will for a while, for a season. But God, he knows what he's doing, right? Amen. He does. He does. And so it's really important to read that Word of God, to ingest it. That's my food. I eat the Word of God every day. I hope you do. That's my spiritual food. If it wasn't for the Word of God, my spirit would grow weak. You know, think about missing missing meals for a week. If you didn't eat for a week, what do you think would happen to you? Other than being really hungry. (laughs) You'd probably start to get weak, and you know maybe you'd get headaches. Maybe you'd start to have some physical problems. If you didn't go without food for a month, what do you think would happen to you? You'd get pretty sickly, and what? You might be dead. Well, some people, you know, people who need insulin every day, they might be dead. If you didn't, if you didn't have your physical food, you would get weak and sick. You'd be an open target for, for disease. Right? Physical ailments. You could be under attack by by you know bacteria and whatever, diseases, influenza. If you didn't eat the word of God, the same thing would happen to your spirit. It's not the pastor's job to, to spoon feed anybody. That's not the pastor's job. God has ordained him for a specific purpose. Spoon-feeding little Christian babies is not one of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? If the pastor tries to do that, he's going to wear himself out. And he he might end up like Jared Wilson. You don't want your pastor to do that. You guys, I mean, I hope you take personal responsibility for eating the Word of God yourselves every day. It's really important. That's what I do. I eat every day. Because I know what I was. And I don't want to go back there. I know what Jesus saved me from, and I don't want to go back there. In fact, I've been having a great time with the Word of God. I know this looks like a cell phone, but it's really the Word of God. <laughs> it's in there. The whole thing. I mean, I've got a big black Bible that's like this thick and this big. It's in there. <laughs> Actually, there's two Bibles in here. And one. And one of them has a strong concordance and a Matthew Henry commentary. <laughs> and so Debbie and I read the Bible every morning and every night. I, I read it. We read it in the morning so we can start our day on the right right track. I like to tell people, if I was to come up here and my guitar was out of tune and I started playing it to you, I'd say, Do you want to hear my beautiful guitar? And it would be out of tune and it would sound like garbage. It would, it would be terrible it would great on you. I have to tune up my guitar. if I didn't tune up my life every day, my life would be garbage, and it would grate on people. And even though I do feed on the Word of God every day, sometimes I still grate on people. Uh, I'm still working on it. But anyway. So we just just went through Psalms, Proverbs, and um, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. I know that Song of Solomon is pretty racy, isn't it? Well, we just... We just celebrated our anniversary, so we, we read the Song of Sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it, <was> <laughs> it was good. It was pretty
2: weird. <laughs> it can be
3: weird in parts, but um, I guess it has a cultural, cultural context. And so you really have to understand the Bible in, partially in the cultural context in which it was written, right? Because we don't walk around with tunics and sandals and... You know, stuff like that. And even the King James, King James English can be kind of weird. I like the King James. I think it's beautiful prose and stuff. And there are words in the King James that we don't have in the modern translations. And it's really interesting how when the Bible was translated, they used catchphrases for things like love. Love can mean all sorts of things, like I love Haagen-Dazs. That's ice cream, you guys. (laughs) I love ice cream. And I love, I love ice cream with, with maple syrup on it. I love my wife. I love you guys. filet you know? I filet you guys. I filet fish, but I filet you guys.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but there's also agape. There's agape. I agape you as well. And agape is a particular kind of love. It's, it's a God kind of love. It's the kind of love that gives without expecting anything in return. When those two young people I mentioned turned away from the Lord, I still loved them. Sometimes it was really difficult, but I still loved them. I adopted them. There are other catchphrases in here like Lord. Lord is a catchphrase. It could mean all sorts of different things, and so can God. God and Lord can mean all kinds of things. And I was reading in Habakkuk a few years ago, Habakkuk, and. um, and I came across these words for God and I said well I wonder what these words mean exactly because they they seem to be repeating each other and so Debbie and I got through reading through the Song of Solomon and I said let's just keep on reading what's the next book? ooh Isaiah we went from a Song of Solomon to Isaiah that's heavy it's all like a a 180 you know anyway so here's here's here's, um, Isaiah chapter 3 verse 1 For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. He's going to wipe out their food and water supply, you guys. Heavy stuff, right? But look at this. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And the second Lord is all capital, all capitals. So do those words mean the same thing? Is he repeating himself? The Lord, the Lord of hosts? Hosts? What is hosts? When I grew up, a host was that little white cookie that you got at the Catholic Church. You know, that the priest stuck on your tongue on Sunday, you know? What is this? The Lord, the Lord of hosts. What is he saying? Well, it's really interesting. Now, I'm going to suggest something. I'm going to urge you guys to read the Word of God every day. I want to encourage you to do that, (laughs) especially as the days grow darker. One of my prayers is that God would turn up his light in his people, that he would turn up his light in us, because we need to shine brightly as the darkness invades every aspect of life, every aspect of life. I mean, darkness is getting pretty dark, right? Who knows what's going to happen with Iran? Iran? They are looking for a fight. They're like the neighborhood bully who goes around and just punches people because he's looking for a fight. And they believe that their Messiah is going to come in when the world is in chaos, and they want him to come soon. And so they want to start chaos in the world. And they really don't like Israel. And they really don't like America. They want all hell to break loose, and that's exactly what's motivating them. Right? The Bible warns us that these days are coming. We are in those days. Not only was Israel born again as a nation in 1948, but in 1967 they were reunited with their capital. And now in 2017, in the year of Jubilee, our president acknowledges them, acknowledges Jerusalem as their capital. And the whole world said, Don't do it! It's going to be trouble! Well, it was only right that he did it. And... It's just another indication that we are at the very edge, the very end of the age. Lord, turn up your light in your people. Show us who you really are and what you've created us to do. So I'd like to encourage you to eat that word of God every day so that the Lord can guide you and direct you by his word, okay? Can you do that? Amen. Amen. Please do it. If you want to go a little deeper... Get yourself a concordance and find out what the word of God is saying on a deeper level, you can take it at face value, you know, when the Lord says don't lie, don't steal, you know, don't commit adultery, you can take that at face value right when the Bible says love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your and strength, you can take that at face value but if you want to go a little deeper and find out who this Lord is, what are these different names that describe him how can we relate to him on an even deeper level? Man, there's some good stuff in here, like in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, for behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts. you know what that means? The first Lord is the name Adonai. And that literally means master, but it means a per. it's a personal form, it means my God. That second word, Lord, is all caps. What is that word? That word is Jehovah or Jehovah, the J is a Y in is in Hebrew. Jehovah, that's the Jewish national name for God. And as I've studied these word names of God, I've come to realize that Jehovah is. I mean, there are parts. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing a, a song a little later on, and and this is a preparation for that song. It's the one I'm going to do next, actually. That name is the Jewish national name for God. That is their personal God. That is. Their Redeemer God, their Savior God, that His name is Jehovah Elohim in certain places in the Bible. I believe that Jehovah in the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament. Amen. They're very similar Jehovah, Yeshua. Very interesting. You read through it, get yourself a concordance, look up the names of God in the Psalms. Check out the names of God in the Psalms. It's very interesting. Behold, Adonai, Adonai, Jehovah of hosts. What is hosts? That word is Saba. Jehovah, Jehovah Saba, or Sabaoth. The Lord of heaven's armies. He's the captain of heaven's armies. They're talking about Jesus here, Isaiah. And he's saying, Jehovah is my God. My God, Jehovah Saba my God of heaven's armies. And he's going to talk about how he is going to put some serious pressure on Israel. Who is your God? Is he the God of peace? Is he the God of love? That wouldn't, he created us. He's not going to really send anybody to hell for all eternity, is he? No, he's not. We make that choice ourselves. You don't have to make that choice. You can choose for God. You don't have to cave in to the wiles of the enemy. He's really good at what he does. He wants to take you out. He wants to cause you to get involved in things that you know are wrong. He wants to, because he hates you. And he's going to make things look really slick, really good. He's going to come at you like candy. He's going to come at you like the, the most beautiful woman or the most handsome guy. He's going to come at you almost like as if he's the truth little thing, voice inside of you, that, that's the Holy Spirit telling you that this is a lie. Don't believe it. You listen to the truth because if you listen to the lie, you might have fun for a little while. But in the end, death. Choose life. Choose life. That's one of the things we do as we travel around America. We're just trying to share life and truth with people. Trying to bring a little life light into the darkness. I've been getting involved in the music scene in Columbus, Ohio. I go to these blues jams all the time. And it's really amazing that I can go to these really nasty places as a Christian and make a difference. For 20 years, I only worshiped the Lord on my guitar. I only sang praise to him. And gradually, he released me. Right here in Charlottesville, he released me to go out and get involved in the music scene little by little. till actually, I was down at Southside Brewery. You know, playing, uh, just jamming with some folks down there. A very high-profile individual named George Melvin, a a jazz heavyweight. And I got to play with him. And before George Melvin died, he gave his life to Jesus. It was awesome. It was awesome. Every other word was the F-bomb. And a year before he died, never heard it again. God did something amazing in George's life. You guys have a sphere of influence. You guys are involved in society every day. You go to the supermarket. Tell a little story about how we were driving into town. What story? We <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, you were in the van. And we were driving down to I- I-40 to Charlottesville. And all of a sudden, we saw this van in front of us. Oh, yes. And there were some kids in it. And we tooted and
4: they waved. It was a Laurel Hill van. van. What was that? Oh, where are back Oh, they? No wonder they looked at something. I'll find out tomorrow. There was, was oh, that right, green van. there was that green van right out front. Well, it's really a privilege to be able to worship because, um, well, some of you already know this, but some of you are new. About 85% of our ministry is not in church. It's out in the community which when we first moved here to Charlottesville, prior to that, we lived in Memphis, Tennessee, and we were homeschooling and you know involved in, heavily into church ministry, you know teaching everything and leading everything and just doing all that stuff. And I, I remember one day saying to Howie, I said, you know what? I don't really have any Christ, non-Christian friends. Like, everybody in my sphere of influence is... Christian they're like related to homeschooling or you know church related or homeschooling activities and I really felt bad about that because like you know for me ministry is building those relationships and being able to share Christ because you know some people you can share the scripture with and lead them to Christ that usually doesn't happen usually people want to know that what you have to offer is real so um, after we moved here and we started the ministry up on ministry, kind of an extension of what God called us to when we first became Christians, to sell everything, go out and pass out Bibles. We basically do the same thing, but not on horseback. We have a van. And we carry the Gospel of John with us. And we, we do give out the Gospel of John because there is power in the Word of God. But uh, we we uh, go into that dark place, those dark places. Like, for instance, um, we played at a uh, farmer's market in Eugene, Oregon. And right across the street was their, um, I don't know what you would call it. They had an alternative jam session, but it was all like people who were, like you couldn't tell like if they were girls or guys. They were just kind of all mixed together. They were very, very um, flamboyant, let me put it that way. So, um, But music, in this culture, you know, we can see that our culture is changing very rapidly. Like, how does the gospel fit into today's modern culture? Like, this culture our children are growing up in, how does the gospel fit into that? And it can be very confusing, you know? Like, where does it fit? And uh, and how can we reach into that darkness in order to save those who God is calling? And, uh, you know, basically our ministry can get pretty intense because we spend... Our time out there on the streets, out there with with the people who, you know, Howie has long hair. He does not look like a Southern Baptist ordained preacher, does he? But yet he is. And uh, and so, you know, we go out there into the street, into into this culture, and we use music. And we don't play worship music out on the street because worship music is for the church and the people out on the street are not common, we're looking for those people who will never come to church, you know, and music is that common card, music is that connection, and then we make that connection, we're able to share Christ, and share, because people are looking for truth, you know, and one thing that we hear so often, especially when we're out in Colorado, and out in Washington, basically they say, something is coming, the whole society is going to crumble, we're just preparing ourselves, you know, and, and you know, we live in a van, we eat natural food, so we play music, we're able to connect with them and say, yes, the Bible teaches that. You know, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they always say, oh yeah, when I was growing up, that the pastor down the road or that church over there, And you know, I'm just not interested. that, you know, avoid that and say, well, what about Jesus? Do you know anything about Jesus? Oh, yeah, Jesus is cool. You know, I have a problem with Jesus. You know, people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with what they portray as Christians who are not living what they think they should be living. So we can use that to point people of John and find Jesus for yourself. You know, and I found that 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 probably, the Word of God is the most effective way for us to minister because they don't want to read tracts, they don't want to hear about religion, they don't want to hear about church. They only want to hear about Jesus. But you know what?
3: Have I declared all the judgments of your mouth? I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in your precepts and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your. life to those that are being saved. It's the smell of death to those that aren't. No wonder people don't want us around. If they don't like Christ- If they don't like Jesus, they won't like us. If you're living for Jesus. But that's alright. Jesus said, go anyway. Make disciples. Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Trump. The angel. The Lord will descend with a shout and a voice of the archangel. And, and the Trump of God shall sound forth loudly and brashly like a like a blatting trumpet. Blah, 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 blah. And isn't that, funny? isn't that funny? Does God have a sense of humor? But what if What if God is shouting so loud and we just aren't paying attention, and so he's got to do something like have us elect a president named Trump? Right? I mean, it could be total coincidence. It could be. But wouldn't it be amazing if the final Trump, if Trump gets elected for or the final year of Trump's president, or whatever, the final Trump, wouldn't that be amazing? Now, don't go out there and say, Howie Gamble said that Jesus is coming in the last year of Trump's presidency. And I'm not even saying that Trump, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything about Trump, but does God have a sense of humor or not? <laughs> Whoever would have thought that we would have a president named Trump, and the Bible clearly says in a couple of places, at the Trump of God, and his name means Trump, and he's bladding loudly, and he is a world leader that just recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital And he moved the embassy when all the presidents from 1994, when Congress voted unanimously to move our embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv, no president, Democrat, or Republican moved it until this loud trumpet came and did it. I don't know about you folks, but I'm thinking, man, we are right there. We are right at the very precipice. Now is the time to live for Jesus like never before. Now is the time to wake, arise out of sleep, you guys. Be about it.
4: Be about it. Amen. I might say the parable of the ten virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom. Ten were wise, or five of them were wise and five were foolish. Why? Well, the five foolish virgins, they didn't have any oil in their land. And the five wise virgins, they did. And the foolish virgins thought that when the bridegroom came, they could just, like, get some oil, you know? They could borrow it. They can rely on others, rely on your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your parents, or your husband, or your wife. But that's not the way it works. Do you have oil in your lamp today? Like, how full is your vessel? The wise virgins, they took their vessels full of oil. <clears throat> is your vessel full Or is it running out? Or is it dry? Do you even have a vessel? Are you ready? I want to encourage you today, if nothing else, seek God, get your vessel full of oil, and be ready and share that good news with those you meet in the community.
3: In other words, are you you a member of God's family? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Master? And if not, why not? In fact, now, right now is the day of salvation. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for everything, if you'll just surrender and ask him to be the boss, your Lord and Master, he will, he'll come in and he'll change your life. He did me, and that was 35 years ago, and I'm still walking with him. The way and the truth and the no one gets to God except through Jesus Christ. Would you just close your eyes for a second, please? Just close your eyes and focus. Close your eyes and focus. Where will I be for all eternity if I was to die right now? Right now. I was just talking to a woman last night whose dad went to sleep and didn't wake. He didn't he didn't wake up in this life. Jesus took him home. That was just in May. His, her dad, she's from Africa, her dad left. And before he left, he did his evening devotion. She said the, the little uh, bookmark was there in between Monday and Tuesday, and he left for heaven Tuesday, Monday night. He never lived to see Tuesday in this earth. What about you? What if you were to drive out the parking lot and somebody was to hit you head on? A lot of crazies out there. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just trying to let you know that this is reality, people. And you have no idea if you're going to be alive tomorrow, where will you spend eternity? If you have never, ever put your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, if you've never given it to Him, you can do that right now.
4: Or maybe God's asking you to do something. He's been after you to do something. Surrender something. Step forward in faith. And you keep putting it off because you think maybe tomorrow it'll be more convenient. But that more convenient time is never coming. Is there something that God's speaking to your heart today that he wants you to do? To go further and deeper into him?
3: Because he has some amazing things for you to do. You are his emissary. You're a vessel of His love. He wants you to take His love to the people around you. What is holding you back? What's getting in the way? What's stopping up the flow? Are you able to really worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? Or is there something in your life that's just hindering that? I'd like to pray for you right now. I'd like to pray for you no matter what is going on in your heart right now. If you'd like prayer for some some issue. If you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ right now, you can do that. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I pray with you? Would you just hold up your hand real quick and let me pray for you. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ right now. Thank you. You've never done that before, but you want to be His. You want to serve Him with the rest of your life. Anybody else? else, never gave your life to Jesus Christ, you've been holding on to your own thing, and you want to begin serving him right now. You want him to save your soul right now. Anybody else? I'd like to pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this person that raised their hand, Lord God, as an indication that they are sensing your Holy Spirit calling them to you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would do what you say in your word. If we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will save us. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for impressing on this person's heart, Lord God. I pray that you would save them and that they would be able to live the rest of their life for you in power and victory. And that you'll use this person in a very special way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God. You're moving in people's hearts right now, I can tell. Thank you for being here with us, Lord. Is there anybody that wants me to pray for them? I would love to pray for you. Hey, I don't have it all together, Lord, but you said for me to intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters, Lord. And so I want to encourage you, if you would like, if you would like me to pray for you right now, to have victory in your life so that you can experience God more fully and live for him more fully, Can I see your hand real quick? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody else, I would love to pray for you right now. Because the Lord is at work. He wants to use you. Heavenly Father, for these folks that have raised their hands, Lord God, thank you for their honesty. Thank you for their desire to serve you and live for you more fully, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would would do... Your amazing work to help them get rid of anything in their life that is hindering their walk with you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would move mightily and that you would show yourself strong in them. I pray for freedom and victory in Jesus' name.
4: Thank you, Lord. And the courage to do what they know they need to do. Yes, Lord God. And I pray,
3: Father, that they will confess with their lips what you have done for them so that the body of Christ can rejoice together with them. For the rest of us, Lord God. And now for all these folks that have released it to you, Lord, may we live in the unity of the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace, and really love one another as you have called us to. Because you said that's how people know we're your disciples. Help us to love you with Right. And
0: Great to partner with people who are loving the Lord and sharing the gospel, isn't it? As we've said many times before, we often feel very confined here physically, but our extension or the extension of the gospel goes out through folks like this and through the Gideons. Brother Don, thank you for being here this morning. We're blessed to have you here. So um, let's go out and do what Brother Harry was saying. If you want to if you want to chat about your relationship with the Lord, if you want to talk to somebody, please let me know, okay? The Pastor Hampton, Pastor Scott, and, uh, we'd love to be able to share more with you. All right, well, let's stand together, shall we? Very patient. Now he's one of the best guitarists that I know, and I mean that genuinely. His wife gets more beautiful, and I'm not sure what happens to him. <laughs> That's okay. Excuse me. We go way back. All right, let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for this joy of, of worship. Lord, it's it's a privilege to just sit for just a few moments at your feet and collectively as your people worship your holiness. And Lord, may we take you with us in our spirits and our minds as we go out into the world today. And may we be, just as Harry and Debbie were saying, reflectors of your light. And may you be the first and foremost in our minds and hearts as we encounter the world this week we may be the vessels in which your word goes out into them. Lord, thank you for the Gideon ministry. It's been such a joy over the years to support and to provide as much as we can through sharing the gospel word. And Lord, we just honor you and praise you and lift up this name to you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Listen, if you desire in any way, if you're impressed in your heart to give the ministry of Howie and Debbie, you can see them right in the back right there. They have some items for sale. And also, you can just give a love offering. And also, for the same for the Gideons, too. Okay? Just listen to the Lord and do as He tells you to do. And then uh, if you can meet with us again to go help the Winky family, please let us know. Come see me right now, and that would be great. I really appreciate it. Have a blessed week.